0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. Evan Roberts, Mike Biseglia. We have decided to bring on a third voice for this uh, momentous occasion. You may have heard him on the Fireside Nets podcast. You could follow him on Twitter, Mr. Saw 42. And that is Spen. Spen, good uh, good to talk to you today, pal. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, Evan, Mike. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk some Brooklyn Nets with you guys. So are we
0: all celebrating? I don't know how to act. I mean, Mm -hmm. because Blake Griffin used to be good. I don't think he's good anymore. But on this All-Star Sunday, uh, I think we all figured it was coming. The Nets signed
2: Blake Griffin to a contract. Are you excited about Saglia or are you blah about this whole thing? I'm blah about it, but I also was not excited when they uh, traded for James Harden. And I was uh, <laughs> unequivocally incorrect, not as incorrect as you, but I was incorrect. And I will say that there is little downside in my mind because they didn't trade for him. They signed him as a free agent. So we'll start with that. They bring him on. And he's a shell of himself. He's not the same player. And I think people get excited because it's the name Blake Griffin, but it's not exactly the same dude. But with all that in mind, if they bring him in and he can play a little bit, why not? And my other excitement level where, I, where I'm where i starting to trick myself into thinking maybe he can play well is that he's going to be teamed up with James Harden. And we've seen when guys leave bad situations, he's going to come in here with more energy, reinvigorated. And I'm hoping that that helps him play better. Uh, but I am I can't get super excited like they just added another guy. I think they just added quality depth and they did it without trading for anybody. They did it as a free agent signing. In the worst case scenario, he sucks and you move on.
0: What do you think, Spen? You with Bissegli on that?
2: No, I'm actually pretty excited. If you tell me that I can have Blake Griffin as
1: the eighth or ninth best player on my roster, I'm going to take that seven days a week, especially because we needed front court help. This is Mark's addressing an issue. Obviously, we've seen Nick Claxton come up, but it doesn't hurt to add Blake Griffin, especially when, like I said, he's the eighth or ninth best guy on the roster.
0: Yeah, here's the thing about it. So, I mean, honestly, I think you're both right in many ways. There's no negative to this at all. Okay, the, the thing we all have to do is remind ourselves this is not Blake Griffin from even two years ago. Because two years ago, he had what I like to call a Julius Randall MVP year for all the Nick fans that may listen to this podcast. And that is, guy had a great year and carried a mediocre team to the playoffs because that's what Blake did in 2019. The last year and a half, though, he is what the kids call washed, okay? His knee sucks. He's never healthy. But they didn't sign him to be Blake Griffin. So, yeah, like, as you said, Spen, as the eighth or ninth guy on this roster to give them depth, to give them size, to give them another weapon, more so offensively than defensively, there's no negative to it. Just keep this in mind, though, Bisaglia. Mm -hmm. I get that James Harden is going to get the best out of guys. And I fully expect that when Blake plays his first game as net, he'll break that stupid dunk streak he's on where he hasn't had a dunk in 150 games or whatever the stat is. Two years without a dunk, I don't even know. It really actually doesn't matter. But I understand for a guy who's known for his dunks and his athleticism, it is kind of pathetic that he hasn't had a dunk in a while. He will get a lob from James Harden. He will rattle it home. And everyone will be all excited. That will absolutely happen. But you can't rejuvenate bad knees. You know, James Harden clearly dogged it in Houston. He didn't want to be there. We all knew, even guys like me who were against the trade, knew, hey, James Harden's going to come here. He's going to play well. That's the thing about, you know, health. I don't think that being excited to be a Brooklyn Net is necessarily going to fix the fact that the guy's been running on bad
2: knees for the last couple of years, you know? Oh, see, I think James Harden has power. He's going to, he's going to gut walk onto the court. He's going to be in those retro net baby blue jerseys. And all of a sudden, they're going to wheel out a Kia onto the court. And you're like, what happened? Blake Griffin can dunk again. Now, I hear what you're saying. I understand that. That's a valid point. But I do think there's something to being just re energized to be on a team where you know you can win a championship. And I do think that goes a long way. And maybe it's not with his dunks or anything like that, but it's his defense steps up a little bit. Maybe he plays some better D maybe he's able to knock down some more outside shots and he's focused on this team. So I don't, I agree with you in the sense of he's not going to be out there flying around dunking, but I do think it'll make a difference in just the effort that he gives. And hopefully he's uh you know, part of that pick and roll prow- prowess that we've seen with Bruce Brown and Harden.
0: Spend, ask her, answer me. This is 2021 Blake Griffin better than 2021 Jeff green.
2: He
1: is not. Oh, he is absolutely not. I would take Jeff Green in a heartbeat over Blake Griffin. Uh, I mean, Mike, you brought it up for a second, but can Blake Griffin hit that outside shot? He's only shooting, I think, 32% from three this year, and he's going to be a guy who's going to have a lot of open opportunities when he's on the court for the Nets. So it scares me a little bit, but uh, it, this, was, this was a no-risk move. So I, I, I like the move, but again, I, I'm a little scared by his, uh, his lack of shooting.
2: Well, yeah, Yeah, coach, he said he was going to be the stretch five potentially off the bench. So you're right. Those threes are going to be there. They're going to obviously be available with the plethora of talent that's on the court. So he's going to get those open shots.
0: Well, I'll tell you one piece of information that was really valuable after they signed him is that, and I think Bobby Marks was the first one to say it. It's the veterans minimum. And that's huge because if they use their mid-level on Blake Griffin or they use their disabled players exemption on Blake Griffin, I think there would be a lot of people, myself included, to say, well, wait a second. Those things can be valuable potentially down the road for a guy like Andre Drummond or for someone who fits the needs of this team more. The fact they got him on a veteran's minimum does eliminate any risk that's involved with this. I I almost equate it to signing Noah Von Ley from a few weeks ago. What the hell's the difference other right. than the fact that Blake Griffin's a bigger name? You sign him to a veteran's minimum. There's nothing being taken away by bringing in Blake Griffin, other than potentially minutes for whomever. Other than that, there's no risk. And so when I heard no disabled players, no veterans, um, a, a mid-level exemption, not using either of those tools that are so valuable to Sean Marks, that's the other one. This would not hurt the Nets from bringing in another body, a, a body they'll need more in the next couple of weeks. And I thought that was a huge positive to hear.
2: And you reference the taking away minutes. And I think all net fans would have the same fear of taking away minutes from Nick Claxton, who has been a revelation in the last, whatever I many games it is four or five games. He's been awesome. Fun to watch. Clearly he can get up and down the court and fly. And his defense on pick and rolls, guarding against the perimeter has been awesome. He's been so much fun to watch. And, You know, it's a team that has so many superstars and so many pieces, but in the middle of the season, kind of getting juiced up for Nick Claxton, I would hate to see him lose minutes to Blake, but at the same time, you're in the, you know, Eastern Conference finals, it's net Sixers, it's game five in a two, two series. You know, maybe Nick Claxton is clearly more athletic and more energy, but you need to have a guy off the bench that's a veteran that's played in big games. It's not as maybe afraid of the moment. So, again, it goes back to the idea it doesn't hurt to have other options, and that's where I see it. But as far as, like, in the regular season, I don't want to see Nick Claxton all of a sudden buried on the bench, and I I don't think that the coaching staff will do that.
0: There is a a small part of me that enjoyed signing Blake Griffin just to piss people off there. There is that pissed off factor that the rest of the league has Nick fans, but I'm not, I'm not talking just about Nick fans. The rest of the league is pissed off at the Brooklyn nets. And so even though I know, and you guys know, this is not the Blake Griffin from four years ago, he's not coming here to jump off Kia's or over Kia's. There is something kind of cool about being the heels of the nba and, and you got to admit mm. we are i mean not just nick fans in this town everybody hates the brooklyn nets that's why when i saw the news uh earlier sunday afternoon my first feeling was to just tweet out the nwo logo and i have no idea i know Biseglia. the only thing you know about wrestling is that you worked with taz for a few years
1: i know better. are you a wrestling guy at all absolutely not evan <laughs> oh my. Do you know what the NWO means? Uh, you're speaking a different language to me now. You don't even know what the NWO means.
2: Nets win I- in overtime. <laughs> Stop it.
1: <laughs> Basically, we're the evil overlords of the NBA. Okay? D- okay, does that appeal to you at all? We're the Golden State Warriors of a few years ago.
0: All right, fine.
1: Well, we'll go with that. <laughs>
0: As long right. as it turns into a championship, we'll go
1: with that. I mean, is this Blake Griffin signing not eerily similar to the Warriors getting DeMarcus Cousins a few years ago?
0: Well, you know what it is, bro? It's mm. it's similar to what other championship teams do every single year. There's a buyout market every single year, usually with guys who are past their prime but helpful. You know what I mean? Like right. guys who used to be all-stars on an individual team, but now – They are chasing a ring. They aren't the same guy they were a couple of years ago. And you know, I remember a couple of years ago when we were all giddy about the Nets being this feisty team, we were never going to be in the market for any buyout players. But as a championship caliber team, you are. And that's the cool thing about being in this spot, that when guys like this are bought out, and you mentioned, I mean, we've seen examples of this every single year, they're players for it. The key is going to be, are they going to be able to add the rim protection we're, we're dreaming about? I still think Andre Drummond, I don't want to call it a pipe dream, but I still think it's unlikely because I really think they're going to find a way to trade him and they're going to make some kind of deal work, whether it's with Toronto, whether it's with whomever. And I don't know if he'll ever get to the buyout market, but if he does, that's the dream signing because that's the kind of signing that, that fills the, the holes on this basketball team. Blake Griffin doesn't really do that. It doesn't mean it's a bad move, like you guys said, and he could add another dimension of this offense, but Blake Griffin's not fixing anything on this roster. Andre Drummond,
2: even Javal McGee to a lesser extent, those guys fix things that this team needs. You think that the uh, the Nets are going to go full heel turn, Evan, when they sign Blake Griffin? Could you imagine if Andre Drummond was ba- was put into the mix if it was a buyout and then he signed? I- I've had I've heard from so many different uh, fans from other ba- team bases that are just so pissed off at the Nets. So yes, that is alive and real. And I did tweet earlier today, Evan, the Nets have gone full heel. So I did use a little bit of my wrestling terms to uh, remember that and get that out there. I don't think Andre Drummond's going to happen. I just think like you posed, there's just too many obstacles in front of them to make that occur. And for the trade, the the salaries don't match and the Nets don't have the assets to give up anymore after dealing everybody away and all the high-end salaries. So I don't see it happening, but I do see somebody like JaVale McGee becoming available and I could see something like that happening and I'd feel comfortable with that and feel confident with that. I'm not as, I don't know. I don't feel like as if, because we've seen the team, I don't want to say play defense, but I'll say give effort that I don't feel as scared as I was maybe three or four weeks ago. I think they could survive if they didn't sign somebody like an Andre Drummond.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, bro, I'm not scared. I'm
1: just, <laughs> I know. I
0: I think it's I just, it, look, no matter how good your team is, I'll use a baseball analogy, the 1998 Yankees. And I, I'm not saying this Nets team is the 1998 Yankees by any stretch, but, No matter how good your team is, I think you're always looking to find its holes and say, hey, what do we need to get better? This is an incredibly dynamic offensive team, and we haven't even seen them really fully healthy for any extended period of time. There's always something that's keeping one of the three guys out. This team is capable of winning a championship. It's weird to say, but Mm -hmm. it's absolutely true. But that doesn't mean there aren't things that would take this team to the next level and or at least make us feel more comfortable Going into the postseason and rim protection is still a problem. This is still not a great defensive team. You're right. We've seen spurts of defensive intensity when DeAndre Jordan gives a damn. There's no doubt about it, but there's nothing wrong with still saying, hey, they could use this. (laughs) They could use that. I mean, that's what being a sports fan is. I'm sure 98 Yankee fans were thinking the same thing as they were about to win 114 games.
2: No, that is true. I mean, there's always the need for more. And like we saw with Jeff Green going out a couple of weeks ago, and we thought maybe that was going to be a scary injury. Luckily, it wasn't. But now he's missed a game or two here or there. You just need depth and you need guys well, and that's you need it. players. So it's just, who knows when we get down the line in two or three months, maybe Jeff Green is out and then Blake that, Griffin does become a big part of it. That, you that's just the have no other idea. thing,
0: bro. That's the other thing about this, that not that, cause again, I'm not ecstatic about signing Blake Griffin. I, I still think he's washed up. I still think he doesn't fix a lot of the issues that they have, but we see injuries affect everybody in the NBA and it's affect the Nets. I mean, TLC's missed time. Jeff Green has missed time. We haven't even gotten to Kevin Durant, which we'll get to in a little bit. So, this is just another insurance policy, too. I mean, ideally, he's not playing 25 minutes a night, but they are protecting themselves in case there are injuries, you know? And I think that's another perk of bringing this guy in, especially on a veteran's minimum. Because I was getting crap. One of my good friends is a Piston fan, legitimate. Diehard Piston fan. And he was texting me, oh, my God, Blake Griffin sucks, this and that. And I said, bro, we're in different worlds. You were paying him $35 million a year. (laughs) Like, he was your guy. I mean, I'd almost equate it to, and hopefully it works out better, when we got rid of Darren Williams. For us, he was a bust and a disaster. Once he was stretched and the Dallas Mavericks had a chance to bring him in or the Cleveland Cavaliers had a chance to bring him in, They viewed him differently. They didn't view him as Darren Williams making $25 million a year face of the franchise. It's a completely different perspective when you bring a guy in on the veterans minimum and you have less expectations for them as compared to a Piston fan who I understand why probably hates Blake Griffin right now thinking about him.
2: Yeah, it's house money at that point. I mean, like I think of Darren Williams in that Cavs jersey going to the NBA finals. For them, this is just... Bringing in a guy to try to sweeten the deal, but yeah, Pistons. I mean, it's uh, it's got to be weird to see that come to an end. That was just so good to just so bad so fast. I I know, man.
0: Spend. Think, do you think they add a rim protector? Or are you less more confident in Drummond than me and Bisegli are?
1: No, I don't. I don't think they get to Drummond. I think he's virtually untouchable for the Nets. I think the Cavs will be able to trade him. Uh, Evan, I don't know why you had to bring up Darren Williams. I was in sort of a good mood tonight. And he is like one of my (laughs) least favorite nets of all time. Me and my brother go on rants about how much we dislike him on the podcast, especially his tenure in Brooklyn. But uh, no, I I don't think that they necessarily need to add someone. Would adding someone be great for the depth, for insurance policies? Absolutely. But right now, if you look at this roster, it's Kyrie, James, KD, Joe Harris, Jeff Green, Landry Shamit, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, Nicholas Claxton, and DeAndre Jordan. I mean, spot the weakness there, guys. Well,
0: I mean, the weakness is defending I mean, that's the Mm.
1: weakness.
0: (laughs) Now, can they overcome it? Yeah. I mean, I think I think what's encouraging is and I'm not going to use examples of beating the crappy teams we've beaten recently, like beating the Rockets or beating the Spurs. But we've seen when they've played elite level teams like the Clippers in L.A. or the Lakers. I know they were without A.D., but still, they are the Lakers or the Suns game. They can defend when they need to, but. They're still not, you know, a top ten, top fifteen, probably even top twenty defense. So, if you want me to really spot the weakness, there's,
1: it's, it's right there. That's so. What it is. So, adding Andre Drummond would make them, in your opinion, a top fifteen, top twenty defense. Uh, I don't know.
0: It would make it, be- it would make them better than what they are now. I'd feel better on the defensive rebounding glass. I'd feel better in that regard. I'd feel better in a series against Joel Embiid. I don't know if there's anything they would do to, to make them a top 10 or top 15 defense. I think adding Drummond helps them with specific matchups helps them on the glass, makes them an overall better defensive team, especially if Andre understands he's coming here to literally do two things. Like we're not asking him to score any offense other than putbacks. Like he's not here for a post game for a back to the basket game. If he accepted his role, and kind of realize, look, I'm going to get my money next year somewhere else, then I think he makes them better. I don't know if he makes them, I don't know where he ranks them defensively. But look, it's one of those things where can they win without getting him? Yeah, I think he's the dream scenario, though. But I just don't know how realistic it is that they're unable to trade him and it kind of turns into a buyout. But here's the question, because I know Bisegli has been thinking it. He is more worried than I am about KD and the fact that The Nets tell us he's going to miss at least two games. It turns into much more than two games. It turns into going into the all-star break. It turns into, uh, hey, we're going to keep an an eye out on the hamstring. I have no confidence he's playing Thursday night against the Celtics. I have no confidence he's playing Saturday night against the Pistons. And I understand this team has looked great without him to a point where I start to think to myself, hey, can they win the East without Kevin Durant? I don't want to think that, but it does go through my mind. When are we... When should we be concerned? I mean, because at some point we want to see this guy play basketball again.
2: I would be, I mean, I'm concerned now. I'll just say, and you, you referenced I was before and yeah, if he doesn't play another week, two weeks go by and there is something to the nets and their history of hiding injuries or the way they take care of injuries and don't tell you and the way they put them out. And then, and then people don't hear about it. And then it's a week and then it's a month and then it's five weeks. And then Kyrie's out for the season. So with that history in mind and knowing what Kevin Durant's coming off with the injury, it does get in my head and gets me nervous. And every passing day, we don't see Durant. I get a little more anxious and a little more uptight. So yeah, there is something to that. I want to see him out there and feel good. Now I get it. He you're in the middle of the season. If he's got a hammy, you don't want to push that too fast. There's no reason to do any of that when the team's playing well, and they're winning basketball games without him. But if you're not scared about it and it hasn't crossed your mind and you're not thinking of all the stuff that's happened in the past going forward, I think you're crazy. I don't know how you could just feel like, ah, oh, he'll be back. It'll be good. I think there's just some part of me in the seat in the head of just making sure he's OK. And I don't think it's anything related to like the Achilles. I just get worried that this hamstring is not exactly what we thought. And every day it pushes forward the more and more I think and get scared about it. Because, yeah, I want to see what this team looks like when you add a top three player in the league on the roster and what that chemistry looks like with Harden. And then the options it gives them with their depth on the bench because they can do other things when they mix and match with these stars. I'm just like, I just got it. Let's get them in these games. And it's every every waking moment, it gets scary, man. Are you
1: worried, spend it all? So going back on the Durant timeline a little bit, he had that crazy COVID situation where he sat out due to contact tracing. He played against the Warriors on February 13th. He actually had 20 points in 33 minutes. And then after that, that's when the hamstring news came out and he did not play again. Am I correct there? That sounds right. So we're at a month, basically. We're at a month. Um, Look, I have a lot of faith in the Nets medical staff from what I've been told, from what I've heard from players. It's one of the best in the league. That's why KD came here. So I would like to think that they're going to make the right decision on him. But, yeah, I am worried. Evan, I've heard you talk before about and and Mike, you brought it up. The Nets are a little bit sneaky when it comes to divulging information about their players injuries. Uh, They've played this Durant it's kind of been like a slow burn for Nets fans. He's going to be in two days. Now it's a week. Now it's two weeks. So I I would like to see him in the next two weeks. Hopefully if we don't see him for another two weeks, that's when I would really start to worry.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's not that I think they should rush him back at all. It's not that, Oh my God, what are we doing here? They, they should play it safe. Absolutely. I mean, the playoffs don't start for another, let's see, April, May May 14th. Yeah, it's basically two plus months, two and a half months, because May 14th is, I think, when the regular season ends. And then they've got the the play-in tournament, which we're not going to be involved in. So the Nets don't play a postseason game for almost two and a half months. I totally get that. And they should be conservative with it. There's no doubt about it. I think it's more the worry that even when he comes back, and I kind of have this with Kyrie. I don't have this with James Harden. It's a part of why... I now love this trade. I have gone completely 180 from dribble, 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 fat, fat, fat. I can't believe they gave (laughs) up all these draft picks again to thank God they traded for James Harden because and I'll knock on wood when I say this. James Harden's reliable. Mm -hmm. James Harden's out there. I mean, James Harden's played 23 games this year. Okay, Kyrie Irving's played 26. He's going to pass Kyrie Irving. At some point in the second half of the year, like James Harden will play more regular season games this year than Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. That's going to happen. He's already passed KD. He's going to pass Kyrie Harden plays, and he's done that his entire career. Kyrie, you know, I don't even want to get into that today, but he scares me for many reasons. I think there's this worry of, at least I have it, that KD will come back. Okay, they'll clear him. And then they'll re-aggravate the hamstring and he'll be out again. And it's nothing against the medical staff. I don't think they aren't great at what they do. It's just a worry now I have in the back of my mind because we haven't seen these three guys play together on any kind of consistent basis. And our experience now with Kevin Durant, because look, as fans, we certainly know his career. But it's what have you done for us? What are you doing for us? It's a part of why James Harden is so lovable now. Why do we care what he did in Houston? It means absolutely nothing to any of us right now. And with KD, this entire year has been start and stop. Whether it's COVID protocols, and now it's a hamstring issue, it's start and stop consistently. And, I mean, we all want to see these three guys play together, not just because it'll be fun as hell and it's scary hours, but because you want them to have that experience of playing together. So I'm already starting to slowly get worried and slowly look at that schedule and say, all right, well, when are we going to see him? How many times are we going to see him from between now and when the postseason starts? And there's nothing that's going to alleviate those concerns. Cause even if he does come back, I remember when he, when the season first started and basically you mentioned this, I mentioned this too. Every
2: time he'd fall down, we'd get nervous. (laughs) Yeah. God they get up get up KD you're okay Evan I think he fell down more than any other player I have ever seen in the history (laughs) of the Nets I know every time he's going for a loose ball he's on the ground there's that split second of just seeing 365 days or plus of waiting just vanish in a second but yeah it was that was scary and I want to say this I think it was your wife Evan that that said this and you tweeted it out all the anticipation for Kevin Durant, all the excitement waiting a year and a half because of COVID. It ended up being an extra amount of time with everything that happened. And then it's like James Harden's here in 10 seconds and he's clearly been the best net and he's, he's the franchise right now. And it's just kind of weird. It just was like, boom, it's I all know. James Harden, even though I we had know. all this excitement for KD and all of the pomp and cir- circumstance that went around with it. But eh, it's James Harden. He's the guy.
0: Well, if they don't make it, I'll say it. If they don't make the James Harden trade, the Knicks have a better record. I mean, that's, that's literally what we're looking at right now because KD will miss all this time. Kyrie would try to carry the roster, and they would probably be sitting at 500 or below 500. And I saw this tweet uh, from a guy I follow on Twitter, Big Net Fan, who's been on the podcast before Eves, and it, it perfectly describes James Harden and the Nets, and at least the way I feel now. He's the ultimate player the Nets needed that we didn't know oh. we needed. And that's that certainly describes how I feel like they needed him so badly. And yet at the time, even those who were for the trade and I don't know, Spen, you may have been for the trade. And if you were, God bless you.
1: Oh, I was I was 100 percent for the trade. My brother was against it. and, And I came out victorious in that.
0: No, no, absolutely. You are the winner. But even you would have to admit. You didn't think we needed James Harden. You probably figured it's a great luxury. Let's get a third star. Third star. That that's how we win. He's turned out to be a necessity.
1: Yeah, I mean, nobody saw KD missing this much this much time. I don't think anybody could have saw. Kyrie Irvin playing as well as he's played off James Harden. That was the big debate. Those two guys play with each other. They're both ball handlers. No, no, no. Kyrie said, this is great for me. Now I'm just going to do my one-on-one. ISO. I'm going to take my, my turns in the game. And James, you do everything you create for everybody. And we'll go from there. I think that was the most surprising thing of it all.
0: Yeah. It's work. Great. It really has. And I mentioned this on the last podcast and I don't think it's a coincidence in every game they've played together, with the exception of one, Kyrie Irving's taken more field goal attempts than James Harden. So I think James has done a great job of just keeping him, keeping him happy, and I think that's the key. But hopefully, we had a nice, relaxing All Star break. We got a few more days to kind of chill a little bit, and then the second half of the year starts against the hated Boston Celtics. We got the Pistons, and then a big showdown with the Knicks and Nets. Ben, I appreciate you coming on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, how do people follow you with your Twitter account again?
1: Yeah, they can follow me at Mr. Saw 42. And it was a pleasure being on with you guys. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, man. And thank you, Mike, as always. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.